Welcome to the Gospel Journey Podcast. The Gospel Journey exists to help our people get into discipling relationships that are centered on God's Word and led by His Spirit. Today we are in week two of Path 9. The book of 1 Thessalonians will be in chapter 2. My name is Jamie Trussell and I get to be joined again by Steve Winstead. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. So uh, I enjoyed looking through First Thessalonians chapter 1 last week. We're moving into chapter 2 this week, and I think uh, maybe a good place to start is is I'll read these first, uh, uh, there were three of the first four verses, beginning in uh, verse 2, uh, saying this, that, that on the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated, out, uh, uh, treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or intent to deceive. Instead, just as we've been improved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but rather God who examines our hearts. I think a lot of stuff there in those verses. Steve, we see their boldness to proclaim the gospel amidst hostility. And we see the fact that uh, they were not going to let the fear of man rob them of what God had given them to steward and entrusted to them to carry. Yeah, and Paul's been mentioning, you know, he was in Philippi, and there was persecution there. And then he comes to Thessalonica, and there's persecution there. Um, Paul's jumping from one place to another, and, and, and he's pointing to, he's not doing this for any personal gain. He's not uh, doing it for financial gain. He's not doing it for his own glory. Uh, in fact, if he had been, you know, after persecution, he would have gone somewhere else, he would run off. But he goes to another place where persecution exists as well. So that's a continual theme of of Paul's uh, writings and of his experience, that being a herald of the gospel is going to attract persecution. And it, you know, sometimes you wonder when you read Paul, how does Paul not suffer ministry fatigue? Uh, And, you know, it's a best guess, but let's just say he was in this active, ongoing church planting, discipling, apostolic ministry for 30 years before he's Mm -hmm. executed, um, presumably underneath the reign of Nero. How do you go for 30 years underneath this kind of opposition without ministry fatigue and just checking out and going, I I can't do this anymore? It's when I look, when I look at what Paul endures, uh, personally, I look at it and it doesn't seem like something I would be anywhere near to endure. But I have to believe that his rest, we, we often think of rest uh, coming in different forms and maybe worldly ways. True rest is found in Christ. Mm-hmm. Rest for our heart, rest for our soul, rest for who we are. And, and I have to believe that Paul had such security and hope in Christ that in the midst of persecution, that there was uh, a sense of, of calm and peace, not because of who Paul was, not because of his flesh, but because of where his hope was. Yeah, and I think that added to the fact that we see this idea of stewardship. Of he was he he really felt like God entrusted him with something. Yes, that this that then God, I am giving this to you, and it's like Jesus teaching in the Gospels. You know, he gives uh, somebody ten and says, "Hey, the master's going away. Invest it. I'm entrusting this treasure to you," and you got to start to wonder. I mean, how true this is, is how is this true of me? Uh, certainly, I wish it were more true. Do we see the gospel as a treasure? Yes. As something that God has given and entrusted to us. And, here, and what Paul, I think, is saying here, when you see it as something you're entrusted with, no fear of man, 
No persecution, no opposition is going to to uh, uh, cause you to quit. And because what you've been entrusted with is just from such a higher place than any fear of man or culture opposition could be. Yeah, and and our eternal lives begin. Uh, we're eternal beings, but our, our eternity with God it begins at the moment of, of of conversion. But we're in a unique season until He brings us home. We're in a season of being able to herald the gospel. And as we understand and live with an eternal view, we realize like this this life is so brief and it's so momentary that to live with all our passion, all our hope, all our joy to to herald the gospel to those who have not heard to to live for that is is a great joy and this is the only season we get to do that when we go to meet God in eternity uh those that season is over uh, I think it'll be a more joyous season because we'll be in the presence of Christ right but there's still Paul is living with that perspective uh not for personal gain because all the personal gain Paul needs is secure in Christ. That's mm-hmm. coming. That's guaranteed. He knows that. So if in this life there's hardship and difficulty, he knows that everything that he hopes for, he dreams about, that, that he what his soul truly desires is secure in Jesus Christ. Yes, and and yet, even though all that's true, Steve, it's still like it's still hard or scary to share the gospel. Absolutely. It's still uh, for whatever reason and, and and like he tells us right here, you will not please people. Mm-hmm. If you proclaim the gospel, it, it is a, it is not a message that that most want to hear. Certainly, God has to soften their heart and open their eyes to receive it. But most people don't want to hear that you are not inherently good, mm-hmm. that you are, uh, that you have done something called sin. So that's a that's all but a curse word, and, and, and it's such a foreign word to our culture. You almost can't get anywhere. We just mm-hmm. talked to someone about sin. There's not even a working definition of what sin is anymore mm-hmm. because God's so far out of the picture. But you're basically telling someone you are not the center of the universe. Yes. And that is a hard message uh, for people to hear, especially in our current cultural climate. It's a hard message to, to hear. Uh, oftentimes, you know, we know that when we give that message, it, it may not be received. You know, one of the things that I'm so thankful for, God has allowed there to be some people in my life who I look to who uh, have such a great desire and passion and joy in sharing the gospel that they're inspirations to me. Mm-hmm. I'm a person who I find my natural inclination is to uh, to not step forward. But um, as I read this chapter, the thought was going through my head of I've never looked back and even in the moments where I've shared the gospel and maybe looked back and said, oh, I could have done this differently or shared that differently, I've never regretted sharing the gospel because I know right. that God, he's, he's, he's going to work that seed even if I'm a faulty uh, uh, communicant of it and don't communicate it as uh, clearly or as graciously um, as I could have. But there are situations I look back and go, I wish I had shared the gospel with that person. Oh, absolutely. So, so, so the, 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 the earthly regrets I have with the gospel is not that the times I, I, I shared, it's the times that I, I don't. And those are, so, those are more frequent than uh, I, like, I like to admit. And Paul here, that's what his life was lived for. It's going to bring persecution. And that's our persecution, right. I think it's easy for us to downplay our persecution. I'm not going to be physically beaten. I've been with people who have been that on, on global context that that for the gospel they've been in prison 
they've been abused. They've experienced that. Uh, people in the Middle East, and, and, and that's such an encouragement to my faith. The persecution we endure is what people think of us. Oh, yeah. Maybe persecution in our job. Relational. Our relational. That's right. But at the same, I, I don't want us to downplay that to the point that it's not real. It's very real. Very real. It's very powerful. It can stop us in our tracks. Uh, so we have to realize, like, persecution, while it looks different from maybe other places in the world, it's a very real and very powerful thing. And we're called to be faithful in the midst of that and share uh, the gospel. Yeah, and it's like if you if you want a hundred percent conviction rate, just preach on evangelism or prayer, right? We just, pre- just always preach on those things, and and, and it, which makes it hard to preach on it because you you fear you're coming across as now I'm always doing this mm-hmm. and y'all aren't. So and we're certainly not saying that this morning. It is as real of a struggle for you and me absolutely. As it is else. But the reality is, God's word still says what it says. Yes, and to unpack it plainly is it. There's a degree of almost, not to trivialize it, but silliness if you really look at it and go, would I not proclaim a loving message from an eternal God simply because a human being, who Paul here says, uh, they don't examine your heart. They're not your judge. Mm -hmm. They're not your judge and your jury. They can do nothing to you as it relates to your worth, value, or essence. That's all determined by God. Would I choose to submit myself to a lesser being instead of what I've been entrusted with from a greater being? And that conflict is always present in evangelism. Absolutely. And, and like you said, it is, it is one that everyone can easily look back at those moments where they go, I had an opportunity maybe to share the gospel. If I'd stepped out or, or I, I missed an opportunity, we all have those. And, uh, it's a we, we trust the Lord in that. For me, the, the trust of the Lord knowing that, hey, my job is to be faithful in declaring the gospel. God's the only one who can awaken that dead person to life. Mm-hmm. So we come in and we're, we're heralds uh, of the gospel, but we do so imperfectly. We do so flawed. We do so as, as broken vessels uh, pointing to a God who is holy and perfect and wonderful and loving. So... Uh, I, I love that Paul th- in, in verse 5 says, we never came with words of flattery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he means a few things there, but it, 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 it's the gospel does its work. We don't have to add to, to try to, to dress it up, to make it more uh, attractive. Uh, in fact, sometimes when we do that, we can have someone be drawn to the to something other than Christ. Yeah, it's almost like you share the benefits of Christ and they miss Christ for wanting the benefits yes. that would come along with him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or, or we, we lower the cost mm-hmm. of following Christ. Or we don't even mention the cost. We don't even mention the cost. That's right. And, or, or we don't... Sometimes I think the gospel we presented without the reality of, of who we are and, and that we are sinful, rebellious, without hope, that our hearts are darkened, that left to ourselves, all our inclinations go to ourselves, that ultimately we worship ourselves, uh, that desperate state helps me to see how glorious Christ is. And if you want to make sure flattery is not involved in your evangelism, just you can follow the great German hero of the faith, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who just says, a call to discipleship is the call to die. Yes. And you remove all... Yeah. Remove all sense of flattery yeah. from the situation. Um, okay, Steve, we both, and you still do uh, 
uh, work with Downline. We both served on staff at Downline, did our time. Mm-hmm. That made it sound like a prison sentence. It wasn't. It was wonderful. <laughs> uh, and one of the things, uh, Downline being a discipleship-focused ministry, uh, this verse in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, is is really one that we draw a lot of discipleship principles from. We teach uh, a whole talk on it. It's done at, at Downline Ministries. But uh, this chapter 2, verse 8, saying this, We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, there's truth, right, the word of God, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the gospel message here, but the word of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. And this is where if we have a working definition of discipleship as life and truth in the context of relationship, this would be the verse where, uh, not obviously the model of Jesus, but captured in a biblical phrase would be First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Absolutely. You know, we say truth and con- uh, truth and life. Uh, in the context of a, of a real and an authentic relationship. And I think in ministry, um, it's, it, it's easy uh, to, to step away from the difficulty of sharing life. Mm. And um, that's, that's where uh, things get really difficult because life is messy. And yeah. if you're going to be up close with anyone, uh, unless they're hiding there's going to be some mess in their life, and there's going to be some suffering, and those things are going to come. So uh, if I'm meeting with a group of five guys, there's always somebody's always in it. Uh, right. There's, there's always somebody in the mess, and, and we've got to be there with them. And there's, there's times I look and I go, I don't have a simplistic answer for you, but I can be here with you. And really, the answer is this. It's our hope is in the gospel. Yeah, trust God. Trust God. That's what our hope is. And it sounds simplistic. It sounds cliche. It sounds almost like... Uh, uh, you're you're not really getting to the depths of it. That's the truth. That's what all our suffering comes back to in our struggle. Well, look, and let's call, you know, I'll call what it is for me it, as well. And, and we hope all these gospel journey groups are on ramps to discipleship. Like we want yes. life and truth in real relationship to come from all the groups. Uh, you know, anybody listening to this podcast, anybody you're meeting with, that's the goal because we think that's the biblical goal. Uh, and yet, Let's be honest. Discipling somebody is really inconvenient. Yes. I mean, just think about it. It does not fit well just in my household with three little kids, you know, a wonderful wife, three little kids, full-time job. You got all this other stuff going on. You want to get to know your neighbors. You want to do all these things. Discipleship is inconvenient in our modern schedule. Yes. We're not living door-to-door and sharing we're in each other's houses all the time. And we are spread out. We're a mobile culture. We're a transient culture. You know, we got, we're driving a half hour in for church, we drive a half hour to go to work, we you know, 45 minutes to go to a grizz. I mean, all of life is transient and moving. And ultimately, it comes down to prioritizing the call of Christ on our lives. Yes. And if we prioritize it, then it becomes more doable. But if we're just trying to fit discipleship in to the chaotic rhythms of what is 2019 living, especially if you've got a family or full-time job, whatever it is, let's not be foolish and think that this something is, will just slip in as a little tag along. This has to be a consuming drive of our life to engage in the great commission, which means we're going to have to say no to other things. Yeah. And, and, and I think when we start to see that how our lives impact others, and that it takes time to invest in people. Uh, those are those are difficult things. I, I think about uh, my children, and and I'll see see one of my boys, 
doing some habit I do. And I'm like, I never taught them to do that. And I'll actually sometimes be annoyed by what they're doing. (laughs) And I'm like, I do the same thing. Mm. And I passed on to them part of my brokenness. And when I I realized that my life is not my own, that um, my life, uh, not because of who I am or anything, but it does impact other people. It impacts those I'm investing in, impacts those in my home. That... (laughs) Should I say should because it or ought to? It doesn't always, but the, it ought to move me toward a greater desire for holiness and godliness. Mm-hmm. Because what God is doing in my life not only impacts me and my joyous relationship with Him, it's going to impact others who are imitating what Christ is doing right. in my life. And and to, to sometimes we will we won't want to think our lives impact others, but we all every single person is influencing somebody else in some oh, way. Yeah. Right. We we all are rubbing shoulders, bumping up against people, and our lives uh, have impact into other people's lives. So to deny that is to sort of deny reality. So to realize that, then we go, hey, my life's not my own, and um, I'm going to be sharing the gospel and sharing myself with other people. That's right. Well, and and to be honest, it, it the other part that makes it hard, I think, for me is – in the rhythms of daily living, everything's moving so quickly mm-hmm. that it feels as if discipleship should also move at that same pace. And I would offer maybe a word of encouragement. I actually be, be happy for you to disagree with me on this, Steve, and hear your thoughts on it. But I, I wish we felt more of the freedom to just slow it down. It's okay if you don't meet with somebody for one year and then they're out the door. I mean, it just sometimes relationships take time. And to give yourself the freedom, maybe you should disciple fewer people for longer. Uh, the point is, is there meaningful deposits of truth in life that is shaping someone towards maturity in Christ? And that is when we tap into the Holy Spirit and just ask for his guidance. And how do we, how many people do we disciple? Is it maybe just a season that we disciple our kids? if they're in our home? The goal is, are we asking the Spirit to make this true of us and show us the avenues in which we're called to engage in it. Yeah. Now, I, I think, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of the ministry I've always been involved with has been a hurry up, move, 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 go. That's right. Uh, but discipleship, um, like this church in Thessalonica, Paul was there for a short period of time, and it's one of his most amazing churches. So sometimes we'll spend a short season. I've had people who have impacted me deeply in very short seasons. Absolutely. And then there's people I've spent long seasons with, people that I, I've, I've I've met with and spent uh, a couple years with, and then the relationship reaches a point where, hey, I'll call them every few months when I have something to process. So in discipleship, the relationship is dynamic and, and takes on, but in our culture, depth of relationship is hard to get. Uh, yeah. Um, when I travel, right. when I travel globally, the the Eastern mindset, the Latin American world, a lot of these places, you live with people in such a way that relationship is highly valued, highly prized, and I'll take people, and it's almost like a breath of fresh air for people mm-hmm. as they see this relational living that we don't experience as deeply here. But to be able to journey with somebody for an extended period of time is one of the greatest gifts God gives us. So I'm so thankful for those. Uh, uh, men that God has allowed both to be in my life who I seek to imitate and those who God allows me to invest in. And and I love it when it reaches the point where 
we know each other well enough to know the the quirks, mm-hmm. and, and, and they uh, view me as a broken, fallen person who's who's seeking Christ. They see that's some right. of the things I struggle with, and we can love each other well in the midst of this and inspire each other. And it's that truth in life. But that's a transparency that sometimes we're afraid to get that people are going to see. Hey, I'm nowhere near perfect. That's right. Uh, I, I don't have this all figured out. And I think the only way to get over that fear, which Paul highlights here all the way down through verse 12, is and he, and he uses to illustrate, he talks about we were a mother to you and father to you. Yes. But look, the basis of that, to make it maybe overly simplistic, is they loved them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, and that's why, why would the New Testament say that love conquers fear? Well, I don't have to fear you if you love me. Yes. You may tell me some things that are hard to hear. I may get hurt by you, but I don't have to fear you if you love me. And here's here's the way forward in these discipleship relationships, even your gospel journey groups. If these are transactional 10-week sessions, you can learn some good truths. You can be, you can mature some, of course. For it to be discipleship inside a biblical framework, it's, it, it's impossible for love to be absent and us to hit the bullseye of the target. Yeah, and and you mentioned this in you know in verse seven he says that they were gentle like a nursing mother, and and oftentimes when we're teaching this out, out of the country I'll ask people hey what tell me the qualities of a mother, and and there's so many qualities of a mother who's caring who's compassionate who's loving, uh, and that's how we're to be with people that we're we're discipling we're to have that. Uh, mother type relationship and we're also have that father type relationship you know when I ask what a father's like, uh, you know with a mother they'll usually bring up a lot more tender aspects. Um, they may bring up some corrective, but typically it, it hovers on that tender nurturing side. Mm-hmm. With a father, it'll uh, a, a protective side, a, uh, a a corrective side, those things. But they're all done in, in, in love. And that's how we're to be with those that we're walking with and journeying with is like this, this parent who, because we love a person, not because we've got it all figured out, but because we love a person, that's we'll... Right. we'll speak hard truths at times that's right uh, because we love them we'll uh, care for them when they're in a hard spot we'll be there in the midst and in the trenches with them in those seasons yeah and i think that's a great way to tie a bow on that that relational dynamic that he's he want god wants us to know the relational dynamic paul had with the thessalonians or else he wouldn't have put it in his word that's mm-hmm. important it's it's important stuff for us uh, let's take the remainder of our time, Steve, and move to a little bit of a discussion on verse 13, because there's a there's a phrase here uh, that I love, and I know uh, you love, mm-hmm. uh, certainly as a teacher of God's Word, says, we. this is why, this is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the Word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, or, or, or your translation may say you received it, mm-hmm. uh, not as a human message, but as it truly is or for what it truly is. Now, uh, that right there is a, a entire sermon series. It's an entire area of theological study in seminary called mm-hmm. Bibliology. It's a study of the Bible. But it is the fact that we really do believe, as, as far-fetched as it may sound to some, that the Scripture even you and I are reading in an English translation this morning, that we have the words from God that he intended us to have. The God Amen. is speaking. Yeah. And that we as Christians, we do not sit around and debate the most popular opinions of men. That we come to a sure and certain word of God. And there are a whole lot of things that come out from it. It's authoritative. 
It's Amen. everything we need. It doesn't give us everything, but it gives us everything we need yes. to live a godly life, to know who God is, to know who we are. Uh, uh, it gives us wisdom to know, but it doesn't spell out everything, but it gives us everything we need uh, in that. And, and we have to believe if God spoke, you know, Numbers 23, God is not a man that he can lie. He, he only speaks in perfect truth. And so they received God's word as it is. And it's a lesson for us in the church today where sometimes we almost believe that uh, God's stating his position and then we equally can uh, give our opinion on what God has said. And that yeah. is not the Bible's view. Amen. And and that's one of the, the things I desire for people and in my life more and more is that we believe the word of God is true and not just portions of it, not just sections of it, that the word of God is, is living. It's active. It's true. It's God breathed. It's how God in his wisdom, in his sovereignty, the number one way that God has chosen to speak to humanity is through a book, Hmm. through this word. That's how he's chosen. And, you know, so when people um, sometimes say, Hey, I feel like God's called me to do this or that. If it doesn't line up with this word, Right. then I, I would say God's not calling you right. to do that. This word is where we check things off. So I have opinions, and my opinions have to come under the word of God. That's right. And there's sometimes things in the scripture that I'll go, if I were God, I would do this differently. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve would, would, would write this and, and say something different, but I'm not. My opinions and my thoughts come under the truth of God's Word and I'm submissive to that. Yes, and that's what I want to point as as I invest in people. Uh, that's what I want to point them to. Hey, if I say anything less than the than than what God's word is saying, please, uh, uh, I pray that that'll drop from your ears and will mm-hmm. not become a part of your life. My hope is that I can rightly divide the word of God before people, and that that would be their 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 biggest trust is in His word over that's me. Right. That's right. And uh, look, and this maybe is. I don't know. This is too harsh a way to say it. I pray it all the time if, uh, if I preach here or, or preach somewhere else. But if we disagree with the Bible where it is clear, we are always necessarily wrong. Yes. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. And uh, well, so, so look, in this big movement and in, in gender and sexuality and, and uh, relational dynamics of marriage and family, uh, this has polluted a lot of younger Christians' minds, and it's yes. almost like the popular wave of culture is weighed against uh, what God's Word says, even to the point where we start changing what God's Word says, because surely it didn't mean that, or we only make mm-hmm. it contextual. Look, the Bible says that the Word took on flesh. Jesus Christ took on flesh. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus is truth. The Bible says God's Word is true, and the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no such thing as... Uh, the Bible meant one thing back then, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that for us anymore. No, truth is truth, Amen. and if it is true, it's unchanged. Now we may have more culturally uh, appropriate ways in our uh, uh, you know 2019 here in Memphis that we apply principles. Mm-hmm. So when Paul says, you know, a man should not have long hair to the church in Corinth, the the point is. Men should not present themselves as feminine. Mm-hmm. So today it would be as as if I wore a dress to church and preached in it, that would be inappropriate because mm-hmm. that's me presenting myself in a in a in a feminine uh, you know a feminine understood uh, mm-hmm. expression. And so so those things can change, but the truth of the points mm-hmm. they never change. Yeah, and it's getting to the very nature. Like God is the one who's designed us and created us, and God is the one who is who has given us 
His Word, and we can easily take a passage of Scripture and pull out a context. Oh, yeah. Um, so Scripture is always interpreted in light of other Scripture. Scripture interprets itself, and really on all the the majors, it seems like God has given us enough clarity that we can live this life. Right. And then there are th- there are things within Bible believing Christians who uh, hold to the authority of God's word. That's right. That there will be some variance on. And the Bible gives you freedom for that. The Bible gives you freedom for that, and we have to assume that because there's that, God knows that. That's right. God, it doesn't surprise God that. Uh, uh, we are coming to some different conclusions on this, and it's one that I think he knows that, hey, in this area, there can be a little bit of, of it, it's, it, I didn't have to be quite as clear. There can be some variance. And uh, this, it's, it's the reason why we've chosen for these formal pathways of discipleship at Harvest that we don't do uh, other curriculums. They're not bad. They're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to get our people around God's word. Because yes. it's the only thing that for certain is always true and from him. Yes. And you mentioned some of those, and maybe we'll close down with this. There are areas of disagreement that, that it is, we can sell fellowship with one another on those things. There's some different views of baptism, end times. We even mentioned election last week. Yeah. These are things that have been discussed. And, but there are some things that if you lose them, uh, it is no longer the Christian faith. Yes. And, and so God as a trinity. God is the creator. Even if you believe God, through his creative power, superintended everything to come through more of an evolutionary process. I may not agree with that, but as long as you hold God as the creator of everything, that's what's essential. Uh, Jesus Christ being truly God and truly man. Uh, Jesus Christ's resurrection, the virgin birth of Christ. There are things that we are not permitted to disagree on. Yeah. Just like there are things that we are permitted to disagree yeah. on. Yeah, well, I often hear them referred to as closed-handed and open-handed issues, that there are things that uh, that we hold tightly, and then there's things that are more distinctives. Um, one thing before we close, the last verse of chapter 2, uh, it, it's, it's a glorious verse. Paul says this, he says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. So, Paul, to these people who are living life in anticipation of Jesus' return, he says, hey, here's our hope and our boasting and and what we glory in. It's that God has used our life somehow in some way to impact other people who are walking faithfully with the Lord. That is a great joy. And I think for us, and and we're going to have plenty of people that the Lord allows us to spend time with who may not be faithful, may struggle greatly mm-hmm. with being faithful, will have seasons of, of, of great struggle with that. Uh, and by God's grace, we're going to see those who will be faithful to the end. Mm-hmm. And that is a great joy. I think when we when we stand before the Lord, there's going to be a great joy and, and humility and amazement that God could take our lives mm. and in his sovereignty use them mm. for his eternal purposes. And may we, in God's kindness, be counted among them. All right, Steve, good to be with you.